All right, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, we've been walking through the Lord's Prayer. Uh, and so we're going to continue that. And so if prayer is sort of what we've been doing, if prayer is, is asking God, then, then what should we be asking God? And, and the Lord's Prayer is like a prayer list. It's a list of things that Jesus is laying out. Here's all the requests you can bring to uh, your Father. And so we began uh, by looking at asking God to, to holify His name. We looked at uh, asking Him to bring His kingdom, to do His will. Those Godward-focused ones that begin... This Lord's Prayer, and now we're on this second table, so to speak, the us word focused ones, the ones that now shift to, you know, uh, give us. Uh, and we looked at what it means uh, for God to give us our daily bread. Well, now we're on to the fifth request. So we, we've, we've had four requests that the Lord has laid out. We've walked through those biblically so that we might know what we're asking God for. And now we're on to this fifth request, asking uh, the Lord to forgive us our debts. So let's stand in the honor of reading God's word. We'll read the entire Lord's Prayer again here in Matthew 6, uh, and then we'll, we'll break down this fifth, fifth request some more uh, as we've already you know, been doing for about a month. So. Matthew writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So all these words are true and right. And the words of our God says this. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today asking God that, that you would bless your word. We come worshiping you. This, this day, this, this whole day is about you. Not just this hour and, and, and not even just this day. Lord, as we know, our, our lives are for you. This day as we gather to hear with, with your body, to hear from your word. Father, I pray that you would richly bless us. We admit, Father, that we are often lax in our reading. We are lax in our appreciation of you and of your word. And so we ask for mercy and grace today. We ask for you to grow us. We ask for you to holify us that we might be more and more like your son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. All right. So we're looking down at this fifth request here that starts in verse 12. Forgive us our debts. And so we've spent a, a couple of weeks, I think three or four weeks, looking at the Bible describe our debts. And the reason, the reason we did that is because in order for us to understand how great forgiveness is, as we're about to start looking. So we started out with debts. We're going to get into the forgiveness part starting today. In order for us to understand how great forgiveness is, we have to understand what we're being forgiven of. We have to understand the wrong that we've done. If we don't understand the wrong that we've done, then we're not going to be so amazed by forgiveness. If someone walks up to you and out of the blue just walks up and puts their hands on you and just looks you in the face and says, I forgive you. Uh, if you have no idea, you know, what you've done, you might just say, thanks. Uh, you're certainly not going to be blown away by the, I can't believe that Leah forgave me. You know, it's like, I didn't do anything wrong. Uh, what did she forgive me? We might, you might even be offended, right? You might even be like, what did I do? Uh, and, and the Bible, the same thing. The Bible's going to, as we've seen, the Bible is talking about our debts. So we're laying out here, this is all that you've done. 
Okay, we've got weeks where we've looked at how great your debt is. The purpose of all that isn't to crush you down with the weight of your debt and your sin. The purpose of that is so that you can see the magnificence of forgiveness that is found in Christ. So, so the Bible talked about our debt, our debt which is caused by our sin. It is, and we looked at it, it's an, it's an infinite debt. It's, a, it's an infinite debt that is compounded as we add debt upon debt. It is a deadly debt. It was a disqualifying debt. So it was a debt that leads to death. It was a disqualifying debt because it means that there's no chance of us being in the presence of the Lord. Uh, and so all of that, when you combine all of that, it made it then, the Bible says, an unbearable debt. A, a debt that crushes us. And so why was that debt a problem? Because we saw there's nothing you and I can do about that debt on our own. There's nothing we can do to get out of it. We can't deny it. We can't avoid it. We can't transfer it. uh, We can't escape it. That's what we looked at. So the Bible laid out, here's your debt. It's this bad. Here's the problem with it being this bad. There's nothing you can do about it on your own. So our only hope now is this, forgiveness. That's our hope. If we can't, if we've got this huge debt that, that we can't repay, we can't deny it, we can't avoid it, we can't transfer it, we can't escape it, what hope do we have? Our only hope is forgiveness. So today, what we're going to look at is, what is forgiveness? Right, so again, just like we've got to understand debt, if we're going to understand being forgiven of that debt, if we've got to understand what we're being forgiven of in order to understand the magnitude of that forgiveness, we also have to know what forgiveness is. What is forgiveness? And, and it's really interesting, like prayer. We talked about this with prayer. When I, like I said, if, if I were to ask you what prayer is, in a, in a hundred people, we'd probably have a hundred different definitions of, of what prayer is. And so we spent a long time looking at the, how the Bible defines prayer and what the Bible says that, that, that prayer is. Uh, and the same thing here. If I were to ask you, what is forgiveness? If I were to come up and say, hey, you know, can you tell me uh, what forgiveness is? I might get any number of answers. I did this to Leslie last night. I was like, Leslie, what's forgiveness? And then she was looking at me, and she knows that I know what I'm going to say. And she, I was like, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that to you. You're like, uh, this maybe? Oh, you get, maybe? I hope I get it right. Uh, and and that's the truth. If I were to ask you what is forgiveness, some of us would go, I've never thought about what is a definition of forgiveness. If I were to tell you, what does it mean that you forgave them? It means I you know, I always say, well, forgiveness is like, it's a tautology. Forgiveness is, well, forgiving them. Uh, that's what forgiveness is. And so, so we, it's going to be important for us to understand what forgiveness is. If we're going to understand what we're asking God to do, if we're going to understand the next part of this prayer, which is as I have forgiven, as we have forgiven our debtors, we have to know what is forgiveness to know if that's what we're doing. As people come up and say, you know, do I, do I have to forgive this person? One thing I often want to ask is, well, what is forgiveness? What do you think you're having to do when you ask, do I have to forgive them? What does forgiveness even look like? If we don't know what forgiveness is, we can't praise God for doing it. And we certainly can't do it to others if we don't know what, how the Bible does. And again, we've seen this. In our world, definitions matter, right? In our, in our world, you can go from women to pregnant people like that. Uh, you know, also, so definitions are important. And we want to make sure that we're defined. So when we read, forgive us, we want to make sure that our understanding of what forgiveness is, is the Bible's understanding and not our own. 
that you're not getting to define what forgiveness is. And your favorite blogger or favorite preacher isn't getting to define what forgiveness is. Or even yo mama or something. My mom always said that forgiveness, like we're not doing, we want to know what does the Bible say about forgiveness if we're going to understand when we say, God, forgive me, what does that look like? And, and think about it, this is an absolutely essential part of the Christian life. Forgiveness is huge in Christianity as, a, as an essential uh, topic, a subject, a, a theological point. And yet we've really often not given a lot of thought as to how to define it. What is it? What exactly is forgiveness? So if we're going to ask God to forgive us our sins, I thought it'd be a good idea to know what we're asking for, to know what we're asking God to do. And this is going to be important because if we don't, then we're going to wonder how forgiveness fits with what we've seen about our debt. Because we've already seen the Bible tell us that we can't avoid our sin. Well, how is forgiveness not avoiding our sin? We've seen that God says that we can't escape our sin. Well, how is forgiveness different than just getting away with it? Forgiveness cannot be those things because God says those things do not happen. So how do we have forgiveness and yet not be avoiding our sin and not be escaping our sin? What is forgiveness compared to those things? So forgiveness isn't avoiding. If it's not escaping, what is forgiveness? And so we're going to start by looking at just the word. The word that you find here in your text. When it says, Father, forgive us our sins. What is that word? What does it mean, the word Forgive. And it's actually a pretty simple Greek word. It's a pretty simple Greek word that is a combination. It's a combination word. It's a combination of the word away and send. Away and send. Away send, if you're being really wooden. The idea being send away. Send away our, our debts. And you can see that this word, this word is used in a lot of contexts. It's, it, it, you'll, you'll find it a lot in scripture, not translated even as forgive, but carrying that idea of sending something away, of getting rid of, of, of something, of moving it along. So for example, it's the word that Paul uses sometimes for divorce in, in first, uh, first Corinthians 7, 11. It says, the husband should not divorce his wife. Now, this is the same word translated as forgive in Matthew 6. And we certainly wouldn't want to translate this, the husband should not forgive his wife. Uh, So context is going to matter, right? He's like, well, you know, it says here, I don't have to forgive you. Uh, But what's the idea? The husband should not, that's why they don't translate it forgive here, because that would create all sorts of problems in in marriages. But the idea is that word picture is sending away. Uh, The husband should not send away, should not divorce his wife. The word can also mean uh, sort of to give up. So we're going to see how all of these words are going to spiral around this idea of sending something or someone away. So, so to give up. For example, in Matthew 27, when Jesus yielded up his spirit, that's the same word that we translate as forgive here in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus sent away, he yielded up, he gave up, he let it go, uh, his, his spirit. Uh, Sometimes the word is just translated simply to leave or leave behind. So, for example, we see this. This is important because we see this a lot in Matthew leading up to Matthew 6. So this word has been used a lot in Matthew in the context of leaving something behind. 
For example, Matthew chapter 4, verse 20, when Jesus calls his disciples, it says immediately they left their nets. They didn't forgive their nets. It didn't say immediately. They were like, nets, I forgive you. Uh, they left their nets. They sent them away. They put them away. They got rid of them. Same thing in Matthew 4, 22. Immediately then they leave their boats. Matthew 5, 24, where it says, leave your gift. You find out your brother has an ought against you. Leave your gift there before the altar. So there's that word, leave your gift and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. So this word carries that idea of leaving something behind, of giving it away. It's also used of permission, of letting this happen. Let it be. So for example, in Mark Chapter 1, verse 34, it says that Jesus would not permit, same word, Jesus would not permit the demons to speak. That word permit is that word here translated as forgive in Matthew 6. Matthew 7, verse 4, just a little bit further down in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is going to use this word again, but in the context of uh, our hypocrisy. So he says in Matthew 7, 4, how can you say to your brother, let me? Let me take, so that let me, give me permission, allow me, allow me to do, send me to do this. Send me, allow me, permit me to take uh, the speck out of your eye. Now, when related specifically to debts, as it is here in Matthew 6, forgive us our debts, it, it often means to let a debt go, to send away what is owed. So, for example, in Matthew again, we're going to get to Matthew 18. That's how Matthew is going to say Christ uses it in Matthew 18, 27. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave. Forgave him the debt. Sent away the debt. Got rid of, let go, sometimes translated pardoned the debt. So, so in the New Testament, the word for forgiveness is a word that carries the idea of sending away. So when we're asking God to forgive us our sins, that word, if you're reading it in the Greek, if you're not reading it as an English speaker 2,000 years later, you're a, you're a Greek reader and you see Jesus say, this are sins, you're seeing that word, send away. Send away our debts. Send them away. Get rid of them. Uh, get rid of these, of these debts. And what's interesting is when you go to the Old Testament and you see the words for forgiveness in the Old Testament, they carry that same idea. So the words translated forgive in the Old Testament are carrying that same sort of send away idea. There are two words. So there's one primary word in the New Testament that translated as forgive. There's two words in the Old Testament that when you're reading your Old Testament, your translators will translate them forgive. Uh, and, but those two words are very similar to what we've looked at. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna all revolve around this idea of sending away. So look, for example, in Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14, verse 19 is actually going to have both words used, translated forgive in your Old Testament. One of the words used uh, and translated forgive as you're reading your Bibles and you'll see it talking about God forgiving the people or forgiveness. One of those words means to remove or to release. And it comes, interestingly, from an Arabic word that means to strip off. So you can see the connection there with sending away, stripping away, getting away, removing, releasing, whatever. So uh, pardoning is how it's translated here in Numbers 14. Numbers 14, 19, please pardon the iniquity of this people. You could very easily have translated it forgive. Forgive the iniquity of these people. In fact, that's how the translators will translate it in Jeremiah 33. So Jeremiah 33, verse 8. 
It says, I will cleanse uh, them from all the guilt of their sin against me, and I will forgive all the guilt of their sin and rebellion against me. That word there translated forgive is this idea of releasing, removing, uh, pardoning. The reason they don't translate it that in Numbers 14 we're going to see is because the other word for forgiveness is, is found there. And, and, and the, other, the other word for forgiveness is actually even a more common word than the one we just looked at. The other word for translated forgiveness in your Bibles means to lift up. So it's a, it's, a, it's, a very, it's a very common word. For example, in Genesis 22, verse 4, on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes, lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Now that's the same word that in a lot of the Old Testament passages are going to be translated as forgive. But we know that Abraham's not forgiving his eyes, right? And Abraham forgave his eyes. You know, maybe you could understand later like Isaac, uh, as he's getting old and can't see, he forgives his eyes or someone forgives Leah's eyes. I don't know. Uh, but he's, he is lifting up. And you can understand the picture of how forgiveness would match with that idea of lifting up. God is lifting up our debt that is on us. He is lifting up our iniquity. He is, this word is going to be translated a lot, he is bearing. He is bearing it. He is carrying. He's taking it off of us. This is also the word for those of you on Wednesday nights who've been reading through Genesis. This word is the word used for the the dreams of the cupbearer and the baker. Uh, when, When he said that in three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head. Uh, in Genesis chapter 40, well, Pharaoh's not going to forgive his head, especially, especially not the baker. He's not going to forgive his head. He's going to lift it up, uh, quite, quite literally. But this word is also translated as forgive. And Numbers 14, let's go back to Numbers 14, verse 19. Numbers 14, uh, verse 19. Please pardon. We said, oh, well, that's one of the words translated forgive a lot of times in our Bibles. That's true. The reason they don't translate it forgive here, the reason it doesn't say please forgive our iniquity is because the other word for forgiveness is also found in this verse. So look a little bit further down. Please pardon the iniquity of this people. So that's got the idea of releasing, uh, letting it go, uh, according to the greatness of your steadfast love, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. So you can see, you can see here that, that Moses is already connecting pardoning and forgiving. He's saying pardon these people as you've always forgiven this people. So he's saying this pardon and this uh, forgiveness are really synonyms for one another. They're the same idea. Pardon them just like you've always forgiven them. So two different words but carrying the same idea. So here's that word lifted up. Just as you have always lifted up these people. Pardon their iniquities as you've always lifted them up. So again, in the Old Testament, forgive is to remove, as, as, in, the, as, as in the New Testament, was to send away, it is to remove, it is to lift it away, which ties very closely. It, it, it explains why in the New Testament they're using the word that they use for forgiveness. It is to send away our debts. It is to remove them, to release them, to lift them up. Interestingly enough, the English word forgive actually comes from that same idea. In Old English, the word for means away. So, so when this word is first being formed in the English and people are first going, how do we translate this word from the Greek and this from the Hebrew? Well, we are forgiving. We are giving away. 
So even the English word, when you're saying, it's the same thing we looked at when we saw prayer. And we saw that the word prayer comes from the word ask and how that connects with both the Old Testament and New Testament idea. Here, the word forgive was originally formulated in the English to carry that idea of giving away. So when you look at it, it's, it's really amazing. You got the, the Hebrew, the Greek, the English, everything that we've got all carry with the idea, the idea of forgiveness as sending away, as giving away, as taking away, letting go of our iniquities, of our debts. They all revolve around that same idea. So then what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is to take away what is owed or deserved. Forgiveness is to take away, uh, if you wanted to say send away, it's say fine, send away, take away what is owed or deserved. So when we say, our Father in heaven, forgive us our debts, we are saying, Father, take away our debts, take away what we owe. The opposite of that would be him holding on to our debts and making us have to pay them and bear them. Send, get this burden, if you, want to, if you want to steal the other Old Testament, lift this burden off of me. Take it away. I'm being crushed by this debt. I will be crushed by this debt. I've seen my debt for what it is. My only hope is for God to lift it up. For God to take it away. And so the Bible is loaded with this idea. The Bible is loaded with this cry uh, for forgiveness and the promise of forgiveness. When we're praying for God to forgive our debts, we're praying what has consistently already been a very biblical prayer. Forgive us. Forgive us. Forgiveness is not something. This is important. Forgiveness is not something that just popped up with Jesus. This is not some new turn of events in the Bible. It's not that in the Old Testament, people were made righteous by the do, doing the law and by sacrifices. And then in the New Testament, God's like, how about we try forgiveness? Let's see. I didn't like that one seems kind of mean. Uh, and so now we're going to try this new thing. Let's see if forgiveness works. And that's not the case at all. The Bible is filled with this singular truth that forgiveness is our only hope. It has always been our only hope to be forgiven our debts. We can't pay our debt. We can't avoid our debt. Our debt has to be taken away, has to be carried, lifted up, born, sent away by the one that we owe. And so the Bible's filled with pictures of forgiveness. And, and I, I love random Bible trivia stuff. And I almost, this is, this is, this is why it's good to be a pastor's wife. Cause I just want to give her the random, the random Bible. I'm like, you want to hear something interesting? And she's like, no. I want to go to bed. Uh, like, hey, are you awake? No. Uh, the first mention of the forgiveness of sins. Let's talk about forgiveness all through the Bible, right? The first mention of the forgiveness of sins is actually found in the book of Genesis. That's why I say that forgiveness is not something new. It goes all the way back to Genesis. You know, the, the first people to talk about forgiving sins is actually found in the story of Joseph and his brothers. The first mention in the Bible of the forgiveness of sins is in the story of Joseph and his brothers. It's in Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50 that we often know uh, for a different verse about God uh, working these things uh, together for, for good. Uh, it says this, in, in, he says in verse 17, Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers. This is the first, and their sin. This is the first time forgiveness of sin has ever been mentioned in the Bible. Please forgive 
the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now, please forgive the transgression of the servants of God, uh, uh, of your father. Joseph uh, wept when they spoke to him. So, so Jacob has, remember, you remember the story in Genesis 50, Jacob has just died. And his sons are afraid that Joseph has been not, not, being, not fulfilling his anger toward them uh, because Jacob was alive. And so they're afraid that, that when he dies, that now Joseph's going to let him have it. And so they come and they say, hey, now whether these were the last word, they, hey, this is, what, this is what our dad said before he died. And he wanted us to tell you this. Uh, and what did he want them to tell Joseph? Hey, forgive your brothers. Take away the debt of their iniquity. Forgive them. Do you know the, do you know the first person, the first person to actually ask for their, their sins to be forgiven? So this is Jacob saying this. Do you know the first person to say, please forgive me my sins? It's, this one was really funny. Not funny, but interesting. It's actually Pharaoh. Pharaoh in Exodus chapter 10. Exodus chapter 10, this is during the plagues. It's right after the eighth plague, the locusts. And listen to what happens. Exodus 10, uh, 13 through 17. So Moses stretched out his, uh, his staff over the land of Egypt. Uh, and the Lord brought an east wind uh, upon the land all that day, all that night. When it was morning, the east wind had brought the locusts. The locusts came up all over the land of Egypt, settled on the whole country of Egypt. Such a dense swarm of locusts as has never been before, nor ever will be again. They covered the face of the, the whole land so that the land was darkened. And they ate all the plants in the land and all the fruit of the trees that, that, that the hail had left. Not a green thing remained, neither tree nor plant of the field, through all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh hastily called Moses and Aaron and said, I have sinned against the Lord. It's the first time anybody said that. I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now, therefore, forgive my sin. Please, only this once, and plead with the Lord your God only to remove this death for me. We don't expect the first cry of forgiveness of I've sinned against the Lord. If I were to say, who's the first person to say, I've sinned against God, you probably wouldn't go, I bet it's going to be Pharaoh. That's a, that's a, really, uh, that's a really solid dude there. Uh, and yet that's what we find. So, so uh, those are just interesting. The Bible is, is littered with the promise of forgiveness. Forgiveness is part of the very character of who God is. When God is telling us how we should think about him in Exodus 34, in Exodus 34, beginning in verse, verse 5, the Lord descended in the cloud, stood with him there, and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord. The Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So when God, when God is describing his own character, when God's telling us, this is how you should think, when he is revealing himself and saying, this is what I want you to think about me as God, how does he describe himself? And let me tell you, this is a good theology primer. If you want to know, how should I think about God? Go to Exodus 34 when he says, this is what I want you to think about me. And if you're going through this list and your picture of God doesn't have all of these things, then you're, you better be careful because you might just be creating your own God. Here is 
is how God wants us to think about him. And what does God say he wants us to think? Think of me as I am what? I am the Lord, the Lord, a God of what? A God who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. And this character of God doesn't change. It is how God describes himself throughout all of the the Old Testament. Even after the great waywardness of his people, even after they've sinned against him seven times in a day, Jeremiah 33, 8. I will cleanse them from all the guilt of their sin against me and I will forgive all the guilt of their sin and rebellion against me. So here's, this is, so this is the beginning of the relationship, right? Exodus 34 it was the beginning of the relationship. Here we're at, we're at Jeremiah and the people have been living horribly. Israel, the, the northern kingdom is gone. Ten tribes out of here. You've got these tribes hanging on. They're still living in sin. And God says what? He still says he is still the same faithful God. And what is part of his faithfulness? He forgives. And he forgives their, all their sin and their rebellion. So throughout the Bible, God is proclaimed as the God who forgives. So you get this, like, for example, Psalm 86, 5. When we're singing praise to God, what sort of things should we be praising God for? What things are filling the songs of the people of God? Psalm 86, 5. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. How would you describe God? He is good and he is forgiving. And so as people then, in light of that, are constantly crying out for this forgiveness because they recognize their sinfulness. Psalm 25, 18, consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Psalm 32, 1, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. And so for the people of God, to know God is to know the forgiveness of sin. But how? How do we know the forgiveness? And how does God do this? God is, lay, God is already starting to lay the groundwork for how our forgiveness happens very, very early. He already starts painting the picture. So we're crying out to God for forgiveness. And we're understanding, I don't know how forgiveness is going to come, but I know you forgive. How is God going to forgive us? And as they just sang, and cover our sin. How is that going to happen? We already starts laying the groundwork for it very early in our Bibles. It actually starts in the law. And if you've read anything, if you've read any of the Gospels, you know Jesus will tell you. It's written about me in the law and the prophets from Moses on down. It talks about me and what I'm going to do. So in order to be a teacher of the law, you must know these things. If you want to understand forgiveness, you need to turn to the book of Leviticus. If you want to understand forgiveness, turn to the book of Leviticus, which is funny. Because that's probably not the first book to come to your mind when you're like, I really want to understand what the Bible says about forgiveness. Uh, probably Leviticus. Let me go. One, Leviticus probably isn't the first book to come to your mind anyway, other than I hope he doesn't tell me to turn to Leviticus. I hope he tell me that. But the, the truth is, it's also funny because we wrongly often think of uh, the law as the opposite of forgiveness. So we would think that Leviticus is the opposite of forgiveness often. No one would expect to find the, the, the story, the groundwork for forgiveness laid in the book of Leviticus. But that's exactly where the story of forgiveness is going to begin. And it begins in Leviticus 16. We're setting the groundwork in Leviticus 16. And if you wanted to say there are stones before this, of course, I'd say, yeah, fine. If you want to start, you can start all the way to Genesis. You can start Genesis 3. You could, you could start in Genesis 1. So anyway, 
Leviticus 16 is a very important chapter. Leviticus 16 is instructions for the Day of Atonement. Big day in the history of Israel. Yom Kippur, right? Big day. Still a big day. It's the Day of, the day of Atonement. The Day of Covering, which is what the, the, the word atonement means. When people say, what is the atonement? It just means to be covered. It is the, the, day of, the Day of Covering. It's the day when our sins are covered, which is going to be absolutely necessary if we're going to be in the presence of a holy God. This is the one day, this is very important, one day of the year, right, that we can enter the Holy of Holies. You can, so you, you can go into the Holy, where the, where the presence of the Lord is. This is the one day you can do that. But again, even on this day, the, the person who can do it is only the high priest. And he can only do it on this one day. And when, and, and, and when he goes into, oftentimes we forget this, when he goes into the Holy of Holies, no one else is allowed in the entire building. It's not like he goes into the Holy of Holies and everyone else is just like right outside the Holy of Holies. Like, oh, I wonder what he's doing in there. Like everyone leaves the building when he enters that place. But in order to go into the Holy of Holies, he has to do something. He has to do something in Leviticus 16. He has to bring a bull. He has to bring a ram. He has to bring two goats. Exactly what you thought. He had to bring a bull around, and what he does is he, he, he offers, the bull is offered up as a, as a sin offering for himself and, and for his, his family, uh, and then the ram is offered up as a burnt offering. But then you've got these two goats, and there's this interesting thing that happens with these two goats. It, in Leviticus 16, look at verse 8. And Aaron shall cast lots over the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for Azazel. That's how the ESV translates it. And Aaron shall present the goat on which the lot fell for the Lord and use it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell for Azazel shall be presented alive uh, before the Lord to make atonement over it. Then it shall be sent away into the wilderness to Azazel. So one of these, so you got these two goats, we've killed the bull, we've killed the ram, we've got these two goats left. One of the goats uh, is the Lord's, the other goat is sent Azazel. Now, what is Azazel? It's actually just not translated. It's, it, this is just the Hebrew word. They didn't translate it. It's, it's a, they just left the Hebrew as it is because they're sissies. Uh, and they didn't want it because they make a whole lot of other choices for you. But here they didn't do it. Uh, it's, the word Azazel is actually a combination of two words. It's the combination for the word goat and away. It is the sent away goat, the etzazel. It is the goat that is sent away. Now, why bring up this send away goat? Well, we know what? That forgiveness is the sending away of our sin, of our debt, and look at what the goat is a picture of. So if forgiveness is the sending away of our sin, here you've got this sent away goat, and look at what he does. Look down at verse uh, 21 of Leviticus 16. And Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel, all their transgressions, all their sins. And he shall put them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who is in readiness. The goat shall bear all their iniquities. On itself to a remote area, and he shall let the goat go free into the wilderness. So the, the, the word bear there is the same word translated forgive in a lot of those other Old Testament. This is that word 
lifted up, lifting away, that second Old Testament word that we looked at. He shall bear, you could very rightly, could very rightly have said he will, he will forgive all their iniquities. He's bearing. So you've got this goat who bears, who is sent away, and their sin is sent away with him. So one can't, so as we've got this goat, this goat who is bearing our iniquities, what is that reminding you of? Your mind is probably immediately going to Isaiah 53, right? I mean, that's what we have a picture. So we've got a day of atonement, a day where our sins are covered. Well, who covers us? We have a goat that bears our sins. He takes them away. He bears our iniquities. And that's what we see uh, the suffering servant doing in Isaiah 53. So you get this picture in this goat of, on the day of atonement. Then we see the suffering servant going to do this. Isaiah 53, 11 and 12. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore, lifted up the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. So the suffering servant is going to be our Azazel. He's going to be our away goat. He's going to be the one that will lift up our iniquity. He's not going to be a goat. It's going to be his servant that will do it. And here again, we see that word for forgiveness. He's going to bear it down in verse 12. He will bear the sin of many. He will forgive the sin of many. So you've got this goat that is then pictured as, uh, then you've got the suffering servant that is doing what the goat was a picture of. And so then it's no surprise. What does John the Baptist proclaim when he sees Jesus? John 1.29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin, who takes away the sin of the world. You draw that back with Leviticus 16, and what do we see? When you think about the two goats in Leviticus 16, one for the Lord and one to be sent away. In Christ, God sends His goat to be the Lamb. His lamb, the lamb that is rightly his, to lift up the iniquity of his people. Now, before you say, I thought, I thought lambs were sheep and you've been talking about goats. You can't trick me. You have to remember in the book of Exodus 12, when they're doing the Passover, he says, you, when you're doing the Passover lamb, he says, you'll get a lamb from the sheep or the goats. Uh, and so, yeah, this idea of Jesus as the Lamb, of Jesus fulfilling. So here we get the progression of this picture of the lifting away of our debts. We begin with the hope of, uh, the hope of them being lifted away. Then we have the picture in the goat sent away with our sin in Leviticus. We have the promise of a servant who's going to be the one to bear our sins away. Not just a goat, because we know that the blood of bulls and goats cannot forgive sin. So now we have a servant, the servant who's going to carry it away for us. And then in Jesus, we have both. We have the lamb servant who carries, who comes not just to take away our sins, but to take away the sins of the whole world. Not just the sins of the nation of Israel or the family of the priest, but the sins of the world. Well, how does he do this? The same way it happened in Leviticus. The lamb has to die. The goat is sent away to die. And we have to understand if, 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 if forgiveness is the lifting up of our sin, it's no, it's no surprise that the Bible tells us our sin is lifted up when the lamb is lifted up. 
That's what Jesus himself says in John 12, 32 and 33. When I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. He said this to show what kind of death he was going to die. I mean, your, your sin, our sin is going to be lifted up by someone. Either you're going to try and lift it up, try and bear it, and you will be crushed under its weight, or God will lift it away by placing it, as it did in Leviticus, on the head of his son. That is forgiveness. That's how our debts are sent away. That's how they are lifted up. Your sins are placed on the head of his son, and he is lifted up, and he lifts up your sins as his body is lifted up on the tree. And so that's what we're praying for. That's what we're praying when we talk about forgiveness. That's what we're remembering. And that's the picture that is wrapped up all the way throughout the, in the Bible. From the beginning, uh, in the Old Testament, the New Testament, even God in His grace tied our English word to it so that we can remember the sending away of our sins. How can this debt be born? Is being born by me. How is it going to be sent away? I'm saying, Father, send it away. And that's the picture. We say, Father, forgive us our sin. That's the picture that is supposed to come to our minds when we say, forgive us our debts. Take our debt away. Lift them off of us. And we remember, well, who is bearing our debts? And it's got to be Christ. And if it's not Christ, then it's you. And if it's you, then you will be crushed under the weight of your debt. If it's Christ, then he will bear your debts. He will take that burden off of you and you will find life and life eternal. Let's pray. And just take a moment to respond to the word of God. The verses that we've read, the things that God has taught us in his word. Maybe a moment of confession. Maybe we've been, we haven't recognized our, you know, unintentional, even laziness that, that we could probably use the word forgiveness for a long time and never thought about, what does that even mean? I keep using that word. Does it even mean what I think it means? Ask that God would, would teach us what tr- forgiveness truly is. That we might understand so that we can know what we're asking him to do. And then look at, look at your debt. Be reminded of the things we talked about, of our debt. See what it was. And recognize that debt that was crushing you was lifted up by Christ. Carried by him, sent away by him. Born on his head when it should have been on your head. And I asked you, I asked you earlier, who, who is bearing your debts? Who is lifting them up? And if it's you, if you find yourself crushed under the weight of sin and you've been trying to carry yourself, trying to be good enough, trying to come to church enough or be a good enough husband or a good enough father, or good enough wife or whatever, if you've been trying to make up for what you've done, you've been trying to carry, to lift up your debts on your own, you know, that will crush you. And you've felt no release because it's still there. You're still under its weight. You can pretend like everything's fine, but you feel the weight of your sin still crushing on you. Let me tell you, lift up. You can't lift up your burden. Lift up your eyes toward Christ. 
and find that your burden is lifted on the cross. Your sin laid on his head. Call on the name of Christ to bear your sin because you know you cannot bear it yourself. And find forgiveness in him. Christian. We should, be, we should use these passages to be amazed at the great love of Christ for us. The lamb sent away with your sin. The lamb with your sin placed on his head. The lamb who lifts up your sin by being lifted up on a cross that you should have borne. How can we not love our Christ and hate our sin? How can we play and dally in sins that are the very sins that were laid on the head of our Savior and lifted up for us, born for us by Him? I mean, forgiveness is great. We should cry out for it. It should should cause us to be mortified by our sin. Not just to mortify our sin, not just to kill it, but be mortified by it. How can I do this to my Christ who bore my sin? How can I add to that burden? I mean, think think of the sin that you've done. And he bore that. How can you go and throw, throw another pebble on that sea of iniquity that he is bearing for you? Remembering forgiveness will, will close our mouths. It will capture our thoughts. It will still our bodies. Because we will remember what the lamb did for us. And we would not add an ounce to that burden born at Calvary. Christian, rejoice. Rejoice that your sin is forgiven. Rejoice that your burden's been lifted. And then live. Live for his glory. And proclaim his name to a world that is being crushed under the debt of their sin. And there is only one that can bear it away. Father, we come to you today. And Lord, I can't imagine life under the crushing weight of my sin. I can imagine my debt. I can remember it. But Father, I cannot begin to even comprehend all the burden that you have lifted from me. And Father, I pray that as we cry out to you and say, Father, forgive us. Forgive us our debts. That God, we're remembering what forgiveness is and how forgiveness came to us through your son, Jesus Christ. And so, Father, let us live like a forgiven people. Let us live by a people that isn't just forgiven, but is being forgiven. That you didn't just bear this weight and then anything added new to it is on us. You continue to forgive us. And your son bore all the sins that we did, are doing, and have done. And will do. Father, may that cause us to worship you, to worship him, and to walk in light rather than darkness. To walk as those who've been forgiven, who've had their debts sent away, taken away, and placed on the head of your son. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the chance to worship you. Pray we will worship you with our lives throughout this week. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.